Amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing, and we're going to receive communion here in a, in a little bit. Father, we just thank you for this moment in time. Lord, regardless of what kind of week we have had, I pray right now that God, the Holy Spirit, would come upon your people. Lord, those that are maybe guests, visiting, Lord, your presence overshadow them. All of the cares, concerns, and worries, the heavy things that may be facing, Lord, I thank you that your presence makes a difference. And so, Lord, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. It's in your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I want to just continue in our series, and I'm not in a rush to get through it because I really feel uh, that it's speaking to many people, and God is uh, revealing truth about each and every one of us and how uh, God has built us and what is saved and what needs to continue to be redeemed. So this is the seventh week in our series, and I subtitle this immediately, Satan Comes. Our text is Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And I kind of started this series seven weeks ago with the question is, had he ever wondered why it seems that the Word of God, the Bible that you hear, week in and week out, preached and taught, and at times you feel you're moved, and then a lot of times you just kind of go back or fall back, and, and you really just... You know, don't seem to mount up a front, standing strong in, in areas in your life, and somehow like that word is not working, and we know, we don't, I don't like to use the word that the word works, it's something we can just kind of rub like a rabbit's foot, but, but the word of God is powerful, amen, it can be life-changing, but we hear that preaching and teaching, and it seems like nothing really changes in our life. That should not be, said that with a smile. There should be a steady growth. Now, you may be like a turtle. Come on, somebody. You stick your head out once in a while, but you move forward. And some of you are like jackrabbits. Oh, that's exciting. And you're running off to that. Then you're running off to the next thing. Hey, keep running, okay? I don't know if your husband and wife have to keep up to you. But, but we started talking about the three-part being spirit, soul, and body. And we'll get into that in a moment. But we said this about being a spiritual person. Oh, I have decided. I love that. <clears throat> Is that what's up there? Yeah. Maybe we can get the PowerPoint to that slide on. A spiritual person is one who lives according to and is led by his or her born-again spirit instead of their body or their soul. Can somebody say amen? amen? And we said this also, we'll get to that, that when your priorities, watch this, and your affections are out of order, your whole life is out of order. Because you're focused in different directions. I mean, know oh God gave us, thank God, two eyes. Right? And when your eyes look at something, how many know one eye shouldn't go over there and an eye over there? That's a little strange. Right? When your eyes fasten, what do they do? They both fasten at the same time. That's the importance of vision, not being divided. How many with me say amen? And so we use this illustration, very elementary, very simple, about three boxes, but to typify our spirit, soul, and body, and how we are made up, how God made us up. And the Bible points to, I believe, numerous scriptures that talk about the Word of God in, in our spirit man, and our soul, and our body. And one of the reasons, possibly, that the Word of God is not working, or you're seeing the effect in our life, uh, could be that our soul, or what they call the shuka, has not been renewed. So when we are saved in our spirit, our spirit man or woman is born again. 
That's where God Almighty and His Spirit comes in and transforms your spirit that is unregenerated, that is, that is born into sin. How many know that every little baby, as loving and as cute they are, has a sin nature? <laughs> that has to be redeemed. Amen? And we know that parents and their faith, and it covers them, and until they get an age of responsibility where they understand right and wrong, and, and that's, that's when they're held accountable. I believe that. But, but your spirit, when you're saved, it, it, is, is, is what's born again, what's saved. But your soul is not. <laughs> the soul is, is, is made up of your mind, will, and emotions. That has to be transformed. And the only thing that transforms the soul is the Word of God. So now you can, you can, let me just do it like that. You can, you can hear a good podcast and help transform your soul. Come on, somebody. You, can, you need to read the Word. You need to get the Word of God in you. But if your only diet of the Word of God is right now from 1050 to about 1120, you're pretty skinny spiritually. I mean, this is some good meat today. I believe you're getting, and it'll help, you know, it'll help you for, the, for today. But how many know you need it the whole week? I don't know about you, but I do. I do. Amen. And so, so what happens is, is that our spirit is saved when, when we invite Christ in our life and we are converted. I like to use that word. We are transformed. We are renewed. But our soul is not. So your soul, when you're born again, is not saved. And I said this, that the importance, this is why this series is so important. Your unsaved soul, watch this, is the deciding factor on whether or not that Christ-likeness, that born-again spirit of, that is within you, will be released out of you, out of that born-again spirit. So you can be saved, but really carnal. Now, I don't know how long you can stay in that situation. Um, I, I'm going to hit on something right here, and I don't mean it to rattle your cage. It's just me personally. What I believe, you may be totally different. That's okay. If that helps you and strengthens you in your walk of faith. But <clears throat> I said this, if you don't engage the battle to keep your relationship with God alive, you will lose it. Right. Now, now, let me just clarify what I mean by that. For sure, you will be a defeated Christian your whole life. That, that's a given. Now, some really adhere to that once you're saved, you're always saved. They use the OSAS. Once saved, always saved. You can just Google that and... Uh, uh, a hundred webpages will come up saying, you can never lose your salvation. I'm not going to argue with that. You may be eternally secure, but I don't know if I am. So in other words, I walk with a circumspect mind knowing that if, according to Hebrews, that I get off and get crazy and goofy, it's not something that happens overnight. People can, can sow to the flesh as believers and they, I believe they're, they're, there's a possibility that they can lose their salvation. Now, if that rattles your cage, it doesn't mean to. But I live my life in that, you know what? I need, to, I need to stay circumspect before the Lord. I don't walk around fearful. I don't walk around if I stumble and fall. I don't walk around thinking, oh, I lost my salvation today. Oh, I lost. No, it's not. That's crazy. All right? Because the Bible says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit when we're born again. That's a strong seal. But when you think of scriptures like Hebrews 6 that says, those that were once enlightened. Well, what does that mean? And it goes on to say, those that were tasted of the heavenly gift. Well, what does that mean? Uh, those that were partakers of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Come on, it, it's going down a list of things. They're talking about a believer. That's what I believe. That's what I believe that. Some of you, you may not believe in that. And then it says this, they tasted of the good word of God. Who are they talking about? Atheists here? They have to be talking about believers. 
Come on now, you waking up? That's, that's, that's how I believe. And it says that if they fall away, I think that's the key thing. There are people that are so entrenched in bondage because of the pain in their life, in their soul. Yes, they're saved, but their soul runs their life. And what happens to them when they continue on that pathway, they crash and burn. Oh, God. You know, I knew one time they, they, they accepted the Lord and they were a believer. Yes, they did. They're saved, but what happened? They destroyed their life. That's what happened if you let your soul run your life. Come on now. Amen. And so that's why we talk at spirit of soul power. Who do we want to be in charge? I want the spirit man. We all do. Amen. The spirit woman to run our life. But it's not always that way. And I said this each week, I think, don't underestimate the power of the soul. Now, we don't underestimate the power of the spirit in a transformed life. Amen. And so I just try to bring a perspective to all of us here this morning on the importance of uh, us rectifying that flesh dead. That means to consider it. And so we said this, that our physical body, watch this, will serve whoever's in control. So if the spirit man or woman is in control, well, that'll have dominance and then you'll, you'll walk alive. Will you stumble? Will you fall? Will you sin? Absolutely. You will lose it. You'll make mistakes. You just get back up. Come on, somebody. You fall. You fall forward. You get back up. You repent. That's what it's there. Well, I fell 10 times today. Get back up 10 times. Come on. Amen? <laughs> yeah, whatever. But, you know, if, if the soul's in control, right, your mind, your will, and emotion, your flesh is going to run your body, your body will follow who's ever in control. And we want the spirit man, come on, or the spirit woman to rule, right? So, uh, and, and we knew that Jesus had to come to break that power. That's why what it means to actually be born again breaks the power that sin had over our life. And now we are not a victim anymore. So, so as a Christian, you actually do have power to overcome if you want to. Somebody say amen or oh me. A lot of times, because the, the flesh, it doesn't, it, it, my flesh included, you know, it, it, it doesn't want anything of the things of God. It just wants to be fed. It just wants, it just wants what it wants. And so last week now, we'll continue to get into, uh, been, been a little bit getting, working up to this, but we talked about uh, reflections about the sower. We said in Matthew 13, 3, kind of where we ended, we said we talked about the sower went forth to sow. Some of you remember that. All these things I think you can find in these messages, uh, the church uh, webpage and or the YouTube channel. Uh, we, we've kind of changed and transitioned with Facebook Live, and so we have a better quality. We're trying to really work on that with our lighting. So anyhow, all of these messages are there, so you can tune in there if you missed a week. And so we said that the solo went forth. It was a very important event. Jesus mentioned this event, and we said this last week. Life or death, watch this, heaven or hell may depend upon your sowing of the good seed of the gospel in someone's life. And we developed that, and I don't want to spend time on that, but kind of picking up from there. Let me just say this. This is not contingent upon everything being peachy in your life. I, I just, I need to let that sink in. Because sometimes we feel, yes, you're right, amen, pastor, but I'm hurting. I'm really hurting right now. And you, you have no idea what I'm going through. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You, know, uh, you, you don't know the week I face. If you knew. Listen, you sharing the gospel, loving, reaching out, being a buddy of the Spirit is not contingent on everything going perfect in your life. Amen. 
Because God will use many instances that you're in the worst. You may have just fought with your wife and your husband. And then someone comes along and it's like, you spirit, the spirit of God is prompting you to say something. First of all, condemnation comes in. You think, I can't say anything because I'm disqualified. You know, I rant and rave and whatever. No, that's a lie. See, this, this is where we want to hit this thing about how Satan comes in immediately to steal the word. Steal the word. That's why righteousness is so important. You need to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so, and so you know, just because you may be going through it and you're hurting, personal pain, and I'm not minimizing that. I mean, you know, we all need to, we go through things and we need to be healed and we need others to help us. Please understand what I'm saying. But, you know, if your whole life is conducive of it just isn't working for me right now. I'm really hurting. I've been through some traumatic things. And you know what? I guess I'm disqualified from that in a sense. Or you know what? God would understand. I want to just press on that a little bit. Press on that and say, you know what? All of us go through difficult, painful, excruciating things. But you know what? People step up and they still love and they, they, they obey God. And it's, it may be, it may be, even in your pain. Watch this. Even in the, 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 the desperation of your soul, it may be that as you share and help someone else, healing happens to you. F freedom happens to your life. Joy comes in your life. Have you ever thought about that? Amen. <laughs> you know, I think about the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 40, and we know the story without getting into it that for most of you do, it talks about how he was sent to prison. And actually, I think he was in prison over, over 10 years at this time. It was probably a period of between 12 to 13 years he was in prison, wrongfully accused, all of that. How many know that there were times him being in prison, innocent, probably felt anguish towards God? I mean, you, you know, you're going to go to bed and wake up in your nice bed or whatever, have your coffee tomorrow, whatever. Think of him living and some of the dire getting up sleeping on a stone, and it's 10 years. And, you, and he had a promise that you're going to be a deliverer, and you had a dream, and nothing's happening. Nothing. How many know that there were probably many mornings, days, nights, he probably wondered, what are you doing? What did I do wrong? What, why, God? We're, all right, all right, I may not have been perfect in this, this, or that, but why is this happening to me? Is there anybody out there this morning? Come on. And what does he do? In his pain, who shows up? The butler and the baker. Right? They have, they're in prison. You know, Pharaoh has an issue with them. He goes, I don't understand. Throw them both in jail. They show up there. And what do they do? Here's Joseph working. I think he's keeping the prison clean. He's keeping things organized. I think he's just, he's running a good shift because they let him up in charge even in the prison. They gave him a lot of freedom. He did some things. And so the butler and baker show up. And what happens? They go, we had a dream. We don't understand it. Well, Joseph says, you know, God is the one that interprets dreams. Tell me about your dream. And he interprets the dream. So in his pain, watch this, in his agony, in his wanting to be free out of this horrible situation, he ministers God. Amen. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Joseph was hurting, but he still ministered. Amen. To think, you know, to think living life that every day is going to be peachy. It's not life. If you're a sinner and you're living for your flesh, you're going to try to squeeze every bit of every fleshly thing for your soul out of this life. Because why? When it's over, well, that's it. <laughs> you don't know what's on the other side. But there is another side. And it's eternal life. 
And it's for the believer, a blessed, amazing, heavenly life. That's more real than this right here. Than more alive. And so, so it's not, well, what I'm doing okay. Then I'll step out. No. You know, I think of a time uh, when I was really miserable in my life. Now, I was married, and I wasn't miserable being my wife. But how many hear what I'm saying? There's miserable times in your life. You just think, I just don't know if I can get up another day. Well, we were in Texas. We were shortly married, and then we were in Texas, and I started uh, working for a guy who was uh, a Muslim, him and his wife, Sadru and Ziba. They passed away. And God, I believe, opened up that, that, that opportunity. But here I am in Dallas, in Texas, in the summer, 110 degrees heat, working in dry cleaning, and, you know, just trying to make a living in a one-bedroom apartment, uh, newlyweds. And, and I was in a lot of pain getting up. And uh, I, it was just this constant. He was wanting me to work seven days a week. I said, no. He wanted me to go out Sunday, pass out flyers for dry cleaning. I said, I'm going to church on Sunday. I'll, I'm not doing that. Now, I understand there's those that work on Sunday, and that's why other services are important uh, for, for us. But my point in this is that all of this pain... I began to see his wife, Ziba, devout Muslim, go 4 a.m. to the mosque every day. She had uh, six Baskin Robbins she managed. This lady was like a high-end lady. And I was like, wow, she just ran it. And usually you can only run one or two, the franchise. She had like six of them. And uh, she sold all them. They were very wealthy, affluent. And we were running all their seven stores. And I ran the plant in dry cleaning as a spotter and ran the whole thing. But I had opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to share Christ to them. They would take us to dinner. We were in these fancy restaurants, my wife and I, and I would share the Lord. I would share the Lord with them. It got to a point when we left, they sold the business, that I was actually able to give her a Bible, a New Testament. And she received it well. In the midst of my pain and chaos, working for Pharaoh in Egypt, come on, somebody. I had an opportunity even in that. Was I perfect in all that? Absolutely not. God will use you even in your pain. Are you still with me? Almost done here. Boy, I'm really not getting far here. So the sower, the sower, the Bible says the sower went forth, and we said that we did a little reflections about the sower, and we said that basically he was a nobody, but he was all about sowing. He was all about the, the kingdom. And we said this, we kind of ended with this, that the sower was first a, 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 an eater and a receiver. Did you hear that? He was an eater and a receiver. In other words, before you can go out and sow, you have to have something to give. And so he was an eater. He was a receiver, and he went forth. And I think of an illustration quickly about someone that was a receiver and an eater. Is I think about the relation in First Kings, the relationship in First Kings nineteen about Elisha and Elijah, the prophet. And the Bible says that he really was a receiver. Bible scholars believe that Elisha served Elijah for six years. Watch this. Six years before Elijah was ushered into heaven. When he said, my God, my God, my father, the chariots of heaven. And he's taken away in a whirlwind. But for six years, I want you to see this. He served him. That's 72 months. Watch this. 312 weeks. 2,190 days of serving. And I even broke it down. That's 17,328 hours of receiving, of obeying, of observing, of learning. What am I trying to say? Elisha understood God's spiritual authority. He understood the importance of continually to serve, to press in. How many see that? Say amen. He was an eater. He was a receiver. And God wants us all to be that. And also sowers. 
also sowers. Even though the Bible says about three times, Elijah, he pushed Elisha away. In other words, he'd say, I'm going off over here. Uh, you just stay here. I'm going. He's like, no, I'm coming with you. Watch this. I'm coming with you wherever you go. Three times he literally pushes away. You know what? Sometimes we're so easily offended. <laughs> right? We're just so easily offended. A little thing happens. We blow up like a toad. And we just get offended. I would, I would imagine many times Elisha was offended the way maybe his tendencies Elijah was. But he stuck with him. He pressed in. He pressed in. How many see that? Say amen. amen. And uh, Elijah, he was... Elisha, excuse me, he was all in. And there was other people watching, other prophets from a distance. But when it came time for the double portion, it came on him because he learned the art of pressing in in spiritual authority. Amen? Amen. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, you know, what I found in my Christian walk over the past 43 years, in the majority of the time, the Holy Spirit wants me to press in. He, he wants me to learn, to, to come on somebody, to grow up, to humble myself in situations, and at times, watch this, walk through the pain. Amen. I don't like it. I try to avoid it. My soul wants to avoid pain. All of us, that's a natural tendency. But there are times in our life we just have to walk through it and lean through, and God help us in that situation. Amen? And so the job of the mentor is actually not to pursue pursue the protege. The job of the protege is the relentless pursuit of the mentor. My wife has mentored numerous women through the years, and she has that grace and anointing, and, and I watched the women that relentlessly pursued her and connected with her and called on her, met with her, and sometimes the wee times of the night, and how they have grown into amazing women of God today, and, and how they're solid in their faith, and, and, and I just think about that, that we need to be people that are not easily offended, but press in. Thank you, but I want amen. Amen. Well, we're going to receive communion here in a moment. So um, <clears throat> let me just say this so quickly. Let me just continue on this right here, and we'll, and we'll pray here and receive communion. The parable of the sower. Uh, Jesus, he's on the sea. He's in the boat. And uh, the disciples, he shares this parable, and they don't really understand what he's talking about. And so he begins to explain it. He begins to explain. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which is sown in them. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word. And I think about that immediately. The enemy of God constantly, consistently works on God's human creation, that's you and I, where he has easy access when it comes to the things of this world. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? What is the biggest weakness he works through us? Our biggest weakness is our desire for the things of this life. Amen. Now, there are certain things of this life. I mean, all of you probably have a favorite pizza. Come on. Or a favorite food. I mean, we were at this retreat. And like, they, they, I, you are so stuffed. But if you miss a meal, you just mess, missed one of the most amazing meals of your life. So everybody shows up three times a day, and they professionally cook. And they had this peach, not cobbler, but a peach crisp. Georgia peaches. Hot. Somebody going to race out of here. I don't know if fruit this year was that great. But down there, it was amazing. 
There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong having things that you really desire, and those are good. But where it comes in, where we have to make a decision between our spirit and soul, that's where the battle is. All right? The things of this life. And uh, we know we're born in a fallen state, and our nature desires the things of this life. And, uh, you know, our, our fallen nature, that fallen nature is actually in direct uh, contradiction to the nature of God. And so when, what, here's what happens. When the word of God is heard, even now, watch this, I'm almost done. It is unconsciously sent through our own personal filter. And so if what is said, watch this, does not align with what we believe or think, we dismiss it. Don't dismiss the word of God today, friends. Open your heart in Jesus' name. Stand with me if you would, please. How does Satan steal the word of God? Lord willing, we'll get into that next week, some real practical things. But I would say this, the number one thing, he does it by deception. He does it by deception. And here's the thing about deception. Many of you, if you've attended here for a while, heard me say that. The thing about deception is it's deceiving. Because the person who's deceived believes they're right. That's the, that's the power of deception. And without a show of hands, how many have been in situations where you thought, well, I'm so right about this. I know this. Yup, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And you were wrong. <laughs> Some honest people in here. I was wrong. I for sure thought this happened. Uh, it didn't happen. You were not right in that situation. Hallelujah. If you had bowed, please, this morning, if you would. When I think about deception, I think about that somehow people think that God Almighty is okay with abortion. That's deception. It's deception. That somehow you're personal preference your choice trumps that baby's life that's pure deception all right proverbs 6 16 says seven things god hates hands that shed innocent blood that's deception and people are deceived in many many ways and that's one of the ways that the enemy comes in to steal the word of god in our life to snatch it away millions of people they hold ways of thinking close to their hearts and they are terribly deceived. With every head bowed here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. You were talking about that early. The Bible talks about an assurance of salvation. And I don't, I don't have that assurance. I want to provide the opportunity for you here today because I believe this is the most important part of the service, your salvation. You're here today and you say, Pastor, my spirit man or woman i don't know if i died i'd go to heaven i want to but i feel i'm heading in the wrong direction you need god in your life if you would pray this simple prayer very costly prayer but a simple prayer to receive christ in your life god will meet you at your point of need and he will save you his spirit he'll take and put in your human spirit and he will wash you and cleanse you then begins the process of your soul transformation. But the most important thing is to give you the power, the ability to walk this Christ-likeness walk. If that's you here today, pray with me. Say this. We say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. 
Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. In Jesus' name, amen.